Hey sickles and welcome back to another podcast. I'm your host Sensory Stowers and I have a few updates for you all. Yes a few updates. I feel like it's been a while since I've done a podcast but we are back and we are now on Apple Podcasts so if you are not following me on there then you might want to do that. You might want to go to Instagram and follow our new Instagram for the new podcast whole you know revamp at generation x stream um i will put the link and the details in the description of this podcast but firstly you might notice as i mentioned that the podcast has changed its name from extreme cinema podcast to generation extreme well i feel like since i'm taking my podcast seriously I wanted a new name, a new revamp with all new social to go along with it, as well as new merch, which will be up in the next few days, piece by piece. But please hit me up at Century Stowers on Instagram or Generation Extreme on Instagram um, and let me know what you think of the new home of our Extreme Cinema podcast, which is Generation Extreme. Now, secondly... My new first official book, Degree of Darkness, is now available to pre-order for £15, including postage. So if you are new to the world of BDSM, the alternative lifestyle that I personally live and I've done for 15 years, this is the book for you. Now, my book does go into detail, but it not only goes into detail, but it takes you places that you may have not been before. But my book also educates you on BDSM and the alternative lifestyle from start to finish, from A to Z. So if you want that VIP pre-order, hit me up on Instagram again at Sensory Stowers or Generation Extreme and hit me up for the book and I will send you the link in the details. Now... Relating to the Extreme Cinema Festival, the Battle of the Extremes, it was supposed to happen next year. However, I want to put it on the back burner just for now until it gets more publicity and exposure. I will keep you all posted near the time that I want to get the festival all over the internet, basically. Uh, so we can have a great weekend of extreme cinema, food, alcohol, and not to mention a damn good time. Now, Today's podcast is yet another interview from the most awesome, awesome White Gardenia, aka Daniel Valiant. I've personally previously done an interview, but that was on my web podcast, if you remember rightly. So stop this podcast, listen to that one, then come back and I'll give you five seconds to stop this episode. Go and do that now. Did you do it? Did you do it? Good. Now, hey, Daniel Valiant, Daniel, 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 uh, how are you doing since we last spoke? Um, yeah, we're doing really good, Kirsty. Uh, thanks a lot for having us on your podcast again. Um, we've been super busy on a bunch of different projects, uh, filming stuff, but also composing music for several films, um, including um, White Gardenia just composed the soundtrack for Vivian Kate Quintero's new film and uh then a million a million other things well that's absolutely brilliant that you're keeping yourself busy i'm just the same daniel you know the fact that you've got to keep yourself busy i'm more busier now than ever and i would class myself as a workaholic let's be honest but can you and alison tell the audience for those that haven't listened to the previous podcast naughty naughty what you are both best known for um, we're probably best known for Tetro Video's XXX Dark Web, and um, that, that segment that we filmed for that 
features real life uh, vampirism, blood drinking, um, and, and self-mutilation. We're also probably known for uh, Broke House's How to Raise Women from the Dead, which is sort of a Sergi Eisenstein-style propaganda film, an appeal to solve the problem of death. And I guess that's probably what we're best known for. Um, I'm probably the most proud that a couple of my videos are featured on uh, mathematical physicist Frank Tipler's uh, official website, since he's one of my biggest heroes. Yeah, I personally loved that film, Web. If you have not seen that film, or you don't know anything about it, you might want to go back and re-listen to the podcast, Web, which I taught you to do before. Uh, because we're going to detail about that film and we talk about that and if I jilt a little bit I do apologise there's a fly flying around this room and it's really bugging me right now but anyway Daniel um, can you tell us what projects have you been working on since we last spoke please um, um, a million different things um, like I mentioned we have uh, collaborated with several other directors Alejandro Hernandez asked us to shoot a sequence for his new film, Justine, which is based on the Marquis de Sade novel, and that's coming soon from Tetro Video, I think. Um, the director, Gore Filth, asked me to shoot a sequence for his new film, and um, I, was, I was not totally familiar with his, uh, with his films, uh, so he sent me one of his films called Zombie Ape Bloodbath, um, which is kind of in the tradition of Ed Wood, um, or some of those directors from the, the 50s and 60s. And Zombie Ape Bloodbath was was great, you know, one of the best films I've seen all year. So I immediately agreed to help him with his with his new film. Um, and then White Gardenia has a segment in Marcus Koch's Symbolicus Volume Two. Uh, that clip is a collaboration with uh, Poison Rouge and Demiziano Cristofaro. And we also have a segment coming up in Volume Three of Symbolicus. Um, besides besides that, um, we're we're working on a feature length film called Sleeping Beauty. Uh, so far, it's it's been kind of a slow and methodical process so far. Um, it's kind of moving in slow motion. But uh, it's, it's sort of a follow-up to How to Raise Women from the Dead. It involves the mathematician and cryptoanalyst Alan Turing. And it kind of uh, kind of connects quantum theory with dream logic. I see where you're coming from, from the Sleeping Beauty part, uh, point of view. Uh, the fact that, you know, you did kiss her back to life again. Uh, so he did raise her from the dead, technically, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> no, but on a serious note, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Marcus Cook, he is absolutely brilliant. I did an interview with Marcus Cook, just in case the listeners don't know this. Uh, but my interview was previously published on Tumblr back in the day, and I can't find it ever again. So I'm going to have to re-interview Marcus Cook, if that is a possibility, um, or try and go in the archives of Tumblr and republish it on uh, my social media. Who knows? But anyway, Daniel, can you? Uh, what can we all expect from you in the future? Um, <clears throat> yeah, you're you're describing XXX Dark Web, and uh, in that segment, uh, Allison drank my blood, and and then earlier in that segment, uh, Allison cut herself, and I drank her blood, and then there are some clips like MIP AMH where I cut myself and then drink my own blood. And so there's some auto vampirism stuff going on, but but yeah, lots of uh, sanguinarian uh, blood drinking, and then there are some, <clears throat> you know, there's also some uh, other clips like a perfume made from blood and tears that we did with the German band Oval, 
and and again in that video clip um we're, we're drinking each other's blood so i mean that's that's what people can expect um blood drinking uh vampirism and unsimulated um we the, these these the, the blood drinking in the in the films is real and um but i think also extreme ideological content me and allison both have pretty extreme ideologies uh we're sort of polar opposites and i think that makes our films interesting to have that tension um we're both we're both definitely obsessed with death but i'm i'm personally on, on my side of the equation i'm very much opposed to death while she's very sort of pro-death and so we have these polar opposite views but um that i think that can make for interesting collaborations that sort of tension like there, there have been great partnerships like that. Um, Salvador Dali and Louis Buñuel were, were polar opposites. Uh, Dali was a far right conservative Catholic, and Buñuel was a far left communist atheist, and they made two of the greatest films of all time together. You know, and and eventually they ended up hating each other. But while they were together, they made some of the greatest art of all, of all time, in my opinion. <clears throat> you know, some of, some of the greatest moments in the history of, of filmmaking. Well, thank you, Daniel, for um, explaining all that in as much detail as you did. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, for those that don't know out there, um, I'm a Sagwinarian too. Um, I did briefly mention that on my Instagram, which I can go over at a later date if anybody wants to know any more information about that. I'm very open to talking about that. But anyway, Daniel, I've got a question about goth. Now, would you both say that goth is the same as emo or do you class them both differently? Well, I think that emo was an extension, you know, that it was the early 2000s uh, version of goth. And I think that um, in those post-hardcore emo bands, you know, a lot of them were Christian bands and they were really obsessed with tragedy. Uh, car wrecks, plane wrecks. There are a million songs from that era about car wrecks. And uh, the, the thing about that is if you step back, if you step, so there, there's a million songs about car wrecks in that, in that 2000s uh, time frame. But if you step back 40 years from that point before goth, um, there was always this kind of shadow side to pop music. If you go back to the late 50s and early 60s, you still had kids who were obsessed with morbid things. But in those days, in like the late 50s, you had the beginnings of the teenage tragedy genre. Um, which, you know, would give way to a million songs like um, Dead Man's Curve by Jan and Dean, uh, The Shangri-Las, Leader of the Pack, uh, Last Kiss by Wayne Cochran, uh, Moody River by Pat Boone, Moody River by Pat Boone, uh, Strange Things Happened by Dickie Lee. You know, all these songs about car wrecks. And then, and then that genre of teenage tragedy songs would evolve into the splatter platters and uh, death discs of the late 1960s. And that, that would actually evolve into uh, death rock, like uh, DOA Blood Rock, um, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, stuff like that. And, and, so, and if you look at the Wikipedia page for death rock, it actually draws a draws a line between, from the teenage tragedy of the 1950s, directly to, to goth music. And I, I'm not sure that's completely accurate, actually, but, but yeah, you can, you can definitely draw a straight line from teenage tragedy to death rock. And so there's always been this dark and, and you, you know, there's always, even back then, there was this dark and morbid side to pop music.
Well, that is really, really interesting. And I have looked at that Wikipedia page before and you are so right with that. So if anybody hasn't um, heard about that, then um, you need to go and check it out. Uh, but now for those that don't know, can you please explain the cult? The occult, I should say. Well, I'm no expert. Um, I wish Alison could, you know, Alison is the expert. Um, I'm more of an expert on Christianity, but Alison is the expert on the occult. Um, the one interesting story I could tell you in the, in the context of our horror films is the story about when we were filming XXX Dark Web a, f uh, a few years ago. And Alison introduced me to the works of Erica Fervell, who is an accomplished artist and occultist. In fact, her paintings have featured in a couple of White Gardenia clips. And Erica explained a few interesting things to me in regards to the, uh, the segment that we shot for Dark Web, XXX Dark Web. Because in that sequence, um, which is the sequence where I um, cut off my little finger with the uh, butcher's knife, in that sequence I, I saw, as we were filming it, I saw a vision of Santa Claus. It was either Saint Nick or Santa Claus or some other iteration of the Father Christmas character. And it was strange because nothing could have seemed more far removed from the topic of our film. But I think it had something to do with the color of my blood mixed with the green arugula and the white cutting board that was set in, on the table in front of us. And this was the colors of Christmas. And then those, those colors became, <clears throat> you know, for some reason in that room, like Christmas became real. It became like a real thing. And uh, Santa Claus appeared to me. And... The significance of this hallucination only became clear about one year later when Erica Fervell explained to me that Santa Claus was at least in part uh, kind of a Christianized version of the Norse god Odin. And I was more or less aware of that, but I was what surprised me was that was when Erica explained that Odin's followers used to perform blood offerings as part of their rituals. So in some strange, mysterious way, I, I may have summoned Santa Claus, or at least a, a kinder, you know, a kinder, gentler version of Odin with that uh, mutilation and uh, blood drinking, with, the, with the, the blood drinking that we were doing. The Santa Claus part always gets me a little bit, but I can see where you come from with the colours that you mentioned. Uh, but anyway, what was both of your first ever horror movies? Um, let's see, I think it was um, more seeing the video cases in the video stores, like seeing the covers to all these old horror films and imagining what they were like. Uh, that was when I was a kid, you know, looking, walking down the aisles at my local video store. And beyond that, I saw a lot of uh, Hitchcock films when I was young. I probably saw Vertigo when I was 10 or 11, and it, uh, and that film blew me away. And then Frenzy, which is, even if his other films are full of horror, you know, that one certainly is. I think my first ever horror movie was Nightmare on Elm Street number three, which was Dream Warriors, I believe, or number four. Uh, but I love that franchise so much. But my first ever extreme cinema, which I'm going to ask you in just a minute, but my first ever extreme cinema film was probably Flowers. That's the one that I remember. Uh, but anyway, do you and Alison believe in the supernatural? Yeah, I do believe in the supernatural because, first of all, I'm a very, anyone who knows me knows I'm an extremely skeptical person and um, I don't fuck around with conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm very skeptical <clears throat> by nature. Um, however, for 
there, there has to be a supernatural component to reality, at least in this sense, because for the universe to have even come into existence, um, it had something beyond the known laws of physics had to be taking place because under the known laws of physics, something cannot arise from nothing. The, the universe could not have arisen from a quantum vacuum. And so there had, whatever it was, whatever it was that started this universe, that, that ignited, initiated the Big Bang, that's something supernatural because it is superseding the known law, the physical laws, the, you know, as outlined by thousands of years of science. And so, yes, there, there has to be some a supernatural component. And um, I hope that the supernatural, the fact that there is something supernatural going on there means that there's a life after death. For life to have meaning, there has to be life after death. There has to be immortality, or or humans have to achieve immortality. Um, death has to be defeated for life to have meaning. And um, so, I hope that the fact that there's a supernatural means that if if there's not, um, you know, that that's why transhumanism, the life extension movement, um, and the the extropic um, anti-death movement, um, I'm completely in favor of that. Um, and when, when I read Frank Tipler's book, The Physics of Immortality, uh, that book really blew me away because he was outlining how immortality can be achieved through science and how the dead can be resurrected through science, through a scientific process. And his follow-up book to that was The Physics of Christianity. And that book... Is 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 just you know maybe equally important. The thing about those books is that in the physics of immortality, after reading it, I'm like, well, okay, if if there is not uh, a supernatural component to life, then then through science we can still make this happen just through you know simulation theory through resurrecting the dead. Um, but then the book, the physics of Christianity, came out, and Tipler said, basically, you know, I've I've reevaluated it. This isn't a replacement or a backup for Christianity. He basically asserted he thinks this is what Christianity was predicting, is that Christianity was predicting that we would raise the dead through these processes, you know, in the Bible when it talks about resurrections taking place in the far future. So that that's really fascinating to me. So yeah, I'm very much in favor of the idea of faith and... Um, the idea of religion in general. I'm not gonna lie, that was really fascinating <laughs> to listen to, I must admit. Now I've got a question for you. Why do you think people need to see more and more, you know, the more blood and guts, the better, if you will? Well, it's like a drug uh, in, in a certain sense. It's like a drug addiction. You want to keep getting the adrenaline flowing. Um, I think, I think, I think that's kind of, that's kind of it. You move on to the harder stuff, just like a drug addict does. Um, I'm straight edge, but I'm addicted to horror. And so I don't do drugs, but I'm addicted. I'm definitely addicted to, um, finding the, the you know, what the, the next level figure and not just the films I watch, but also the films, the films I make. Um, everything I do is ethical and legal, but it's within those parameters of, legality as long as it's legal i'm always trying to <clears throat> figure out like the next place i can take that that will 
not, not only hopefully horrify the viewers, but, you know, make it interesting for us. So, going on to your movies, uh, would you say your films have a story attached to them? Or are they more to the viewer's imagination, like Lucifer Valentine's, for example? Well, they, and, well they, they are usually real-life events, you know, real-life rituals. So they have long and complicated narratives, but uh, connected to the real world, um, because it's things that we're actually doing to each other. So, on other directors, what is your opinion on the likes of Lucifer Valentine, Scott Philip Jurgens, Sam Hell, as well as many others? Well, I think that, uh, you know, he's one of my good friends, Sam Hell. And, uh, of course, Sam Hell runs the label of Broke House, which has released several White Gardenia films. He's one of my good friends. And, of course, I love Sam Hell. And then the other one you mentioned, Scott Philip Jurgens, um, he seems like a really cool guy. I actually, <laughs> I haven't seen 29 Needles yet, but I really want to, to check that out. I think that Scott is actually an executive producer on this new film, La Triste, that I just did the soundtrack. You know, White Cardini just did the soundtrack for this new film. It's, um, I would, I would, I'd love to talk to him one of these days. And then uh, Lucifer Valentine, I, I, I don't know if I've, I hate to say, I don't know if I've seen any of his films, but again, that's one I'd love to, ch I'd love to check out his, I've heard a ton of good things about it. I'm so behind on the times. I don't even really know how to watch films anymore. I used to have a video store here in town, but it just recently went out of business and I don't understand or know how to watch films <laughs> on, you know, the online stuff. I've never used Netflix or Redbox or any of that. So, so I'm, I'm just, you know, if I don't watch a film at the local cinema, I'm kind of out of luck. You do not watch Netflix. Oh my god, you are behind on the times, dude, aren't ya? Oh my god. Now, moving swiftly on, what are some of the most extreme scenes that you've done? Well, I think that uh, the most extreme, I think, I think to other people's perception, the most extreme scene is the uh, finger where I, I cut my finger off in XXX Dark Web, uh, my pinky. And um, that, that was not the most painful by any stretch. Um, there was a little bit of pain involved with that delayed. It was a delayed reaction. You know, later, hours later, I started feeling some pain. Um, the most extreme sequence was for a film I did called... Um, it, it, it's more or less unreleased film, although a couple people have seen it. A, a couple people got some advanced, you know, DVR cuts. of. I still haven't fully edited the film, but... That it's the most painful, <laughs> and it was, uh, and and that was kind of another se conceptual sequel to How to Raise Women from the Dead, um, which is dealing with quantum theory, dealing with extropic theory. Um, you know, it was it was serious, pretty serious topics. Definitely not tongue in cheek, um, and it was it was called How to Raise Your Son from the Dead. There's a couple advanced. There's a couple DVRs of that floating around. Um, that, that different people ordered from me directly. If anyone's interested, feel free to contact me. And uh, you can see, like, the, the 10 most painful minutes of my life. I'm going to have to check that one out. <laughs> I want to see you in pain. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I am kind of a sadist, but jokes aside, how did you and Alison meet for the first time? 
Um, me and Allison met a few years back, and she's obviously one of my favorite people to collaborate with. Uh, we've made several films together. Um, I don't actually have sex, and I don't masturbate. Uh, but I did make a rule that if any girl wanted to have sex with me, I, I would uh, have sex with her as long as she would let me film the sexual encounter and uh, use it for art. And so um, Allison was one of the girls who volunteered to do this, and she was actually, uh, I was my, my friend Bridger, she was mutual friends with my friend Bridger, and he told me that he knew a girl who wanted to have sex. And he said that she would let, she would be willing to let me film it. <clears throat> And so I agree, and, and then he introduced me to her. Um, well, I'd, I'd met her before, I just, then then he, you know, said, and, and I didn't know that she was the girl that wanted to have sex with me, and then uh, I went to his house, and we, I was very amazed that she was the girl that wanted to have sex with me, because obviously she's, she's beautiful, you know, one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. And then she, um, we, we, we made a film, probably next week we made a film, and then um, we've made films, you know, countless films since then. She, like I said, she's in XXX Dark Web, she's in How to Raise Women from the Dead. And um, w one side note about, you know, I would be willing to, when I made that rule, I'd be willing to have sex with any girl that approached me as long as I'd be willing to, they were willing to let me use it for art. Strangely enough, the girls that have, have actually approached me about this or have wanted to be involved with this, um, with my project, uh, willing to have sex and allow me to film it, have all been girls like Allison, like girls that could be models. And that's really, really weird, I think, that the girls have been so beautiful. Um, every single one of them has been, you know, beautiful enough to be professional models, uh, so I've been, there's, people say there's beautiful people in Wycardinia, but it's all totally by chance, <clears throat> it wasn't designed that way, it was just, just happened by chance. Well, aren't you the lucky one? Um, yeah, I, I get approached by people all the time, especially on FetLife and Instagram and stuff like that, um, mostly about submissives and stuff like that, but Anyway, next question. Why do you do the kind of movies that you do? Um, I think that uh, I, uh, the reason I make the kinds of films that I do, um, I think there's two kinds of people in life. I think there's people who like sex and there's people who like violence. And I'm definitely the kind of person who likes violence. Um, so I do make violent films. Um, but I think that violence can be constructive, you know, on some level. Um, we live in a violent universe, and I think that I think that art can. Um, one of the reasons there's violence in films, in my films and films in general, is uh, to get ready to, you know, to acclimate people to to the. Uh, if if you look forward in this timeline, you know, in this universe, looking forward, there's a lot of potentially violent potentially traumatic things coming forward, um, you know, yet to come in the timeline. And so um, the, the human race, you know, for the, the human race to survive, we need to get used to the idea of pain. And I think that's one way you, we acclimate ourselves is through, is through art. And that's why I, one reason I think that people like violence, that people need violence. 
to process this idea, process. <clears throat> if you look forward, um, there's Frank Tipler, who's one of my heroes. I met, as I was mentioning earlier, he's a mathematical physicist at uh, Tulane University. And he talks a lot about his theory, the omega point theory, um, where you're looking at um, ways to develop unlimited information processing, where the human race can develop potentially, hopefully, unlimited information processing. And um, one of the ways to do that is, uh, he developed this theory when the, the most widely accepted universal model was the big crunch theory, where the universe would collapse in on itself. You know, eventually the universe, is it going to end in heat death, where it just drifts apart, or is it going to end in a big crunch? Well, when Tipler developed this theory, the, the widely accepted view was it would end, the universe would end in a big crunch, where it contracts and eventually implodes in on itself, essentially. And that, um, most people say that sounds like a pretty bleak outlook, but um, Frank Tipler says, no, that's actually, that, that kind of energy that, that would be um, facilitated through a big crunch would give us um, infinite computational capacity because uh, that, that, would, that would give us an infinite bandwidth to work with as far as um, running, running, you know, hyper simulation. We would be able to, with that kind of information processing, we could um, run a simulation so complex, you know, we could easily bring back, bring back the dead, bring back anyone who's ever lived or could ever possibly have lived. And so this takes on a religious significance and it's a, an idea I love this. I, you know, I fell in love with this idea. I like to think about this idea. And uh, so you could basically, we would live, we, you know, artificial intelligence in this computer could live forever in whatever kind of heaven we create, and it would la it would go on forever. Even though the end would come in subjective time, it's it's a really interesting and paradoxical thing to consider. But um, but it takes on religious significance. Um, David Deutsch talks about that in his book um, Fabric of Reality, just to kind of describe like the levels of violence, the 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 ways that the universe would be deformed in this kind of a big crunch scenario. Um, he, he explains in the book how like the shape of the universe would actually change from a three sphere to a three dimensional analog of the surface of an ellipsoid. And the degree of deformation would increase and then decrease um, with respect to a different axis. And so the, the frequency of these, the uh, amplitude and frequency of these oscillations would increase without limit. Uh, so that a literal infinite number of oscillations would occur, even though the end would come in a finite time, and it would, um, you know, tear everything apart. All matter, even the atoms themselves, would be wrenched apart by the gravitational shearing forces generated by this. And um, so it's um, we need we I you know this is something this the extreme violence of this is. Um, so it's an extremely violent event, and um, but instead of just looking at this as a bleak, as the bleak end of the universe scenario, there's actually, um, this can be used, this is a good thing, this can be used for information processing. Um, and so this takes on religious significance. This is something I hope will happen. And I sometimes think I'm mapping out this idea on my own body when I'm you know, when I'm like stabbing myself in the, in the shoulder and the side with scissors, I think I might be 
mapping out like this idea playing out this idea of like one fourth of the universe being um exploding outwards and um i often draw correlations between physics and the different uh and, and in my films, you know, there's different, there's references, and then there, there's subtext involving quantum physics in my films. And um, so to get to that point, though, I mean, to keep this human, the human race going to that point, we might have to go through some pretty, you know, there, there might be a lot of pain involved. There might be, like, um, pretty ab absurd amounts of pain that the human race will have to get through. We already have, we already are, I mean, we... You know, our ancestors have been, went through so much suffering to get us to this point, so we get to this point where this is the best point in human history up till now. I mean, this, this is the best time to live. If you look at the arc of human history, if you look at how things have improved and how lifespans have improved, how technology has improved. And um, so I, I want to make sure, I mean, I'm hoping the human race will continue to keep going forward and will, um, you know, will... We'll, and I think part of that going forward process is getting used to the idea of pain so that, um, you know, acclimating ourselves to the idea of pain. And um, so that's, <laughs> sorry to go on at such length, but yeah, I think that's one of, one of, there's many reasons I make the kind of films I do, but that's one of the reasons is these are just, you know, processing these kinds of ideas. Wow. <laughs> I could listen to you talk all day. Um, very interesting what you've just come out with there. Very interesting idea. I never thought about anything like that, if I'm honest. But I get what you're saying, though, about advancing of the human nature and stuff like that. And it's the best time to live at the moment because of technology and everything like this. I mean, I can understand where you're coming from. At the same time, I think technology is brilliant, like internet and stuff like that. And, you know, you've got the likes of Skype and you've got video calls and everything like that. You know, that's great in some ways, but in other ways, it can be really bad for the society at the same time. But I get what you're, where you're coming from. Now, I've got a question for you to just about end this interview. Um, are you or Alison involved with the alternative lifestyle at all? Um, we, we definitely made some customized videos and um, we definitely... Uh, we're doing that for a while. We were working on like porno clips, BDSM clips, um, like some some pretty strange stuff. But it was um, stuff that was commissioned by other people that I was like happy to put my own, you know, kind of recontextualize it as in a certain way to make it more interesting for us to film. We're tr trying to get away from that stuff, but. Um, still doing a little bit of customized um you know if the if the price is right we're interested in doing some customized stuff and so you know feel free to contact us if, if anyone's interested there you go everybody if you were interested contact daniel uh white gardenia so thank you so much daniel um white gardenia for your time i really really appreciate it and thank you so much for taking time out to do this interview but could you let the listeners know again where they can find your films and where they can follow you well thanks so much thanks again kirsty we really appreciate it always appreciate being on your podcast and um we you can find our films uh 
You can go to BarokeHouse.com where you can order How to Raise Women from the Dead. You can go to TetraVideo.com. Um, and at uh, TetraVideo.com, I think you can get XXX Dark Web and War Gore. And you can go to uh, Gordrome.com where you can get um, Mutilation Theater, which is an anthology, fairly comprehensive anthology of our films, of over four hours worth of content. Um, so that's Gordrome.com abrokehouse.com and tetrovideo.com and feel, always feel free people can message me if there's anything they'd like I, I do have uh, DVRs you know homemade DIY DVRs that I that I sell that I send out so feel free to contact me if you'd like anything um, or would like to inquire about anything um, but anyways thanks again Kirsty and uh, hope to talk to you soon And I appreciate you, Daniel, for coming on my podcast and doing this interview once again. Now, that is it for today's interview. Don't forget, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at Generation Extreme on Instagram or our Facebook page now. We have one of those now. The merch for uh, Generation Extreme will be coming out in the next few days, maybe it's to next week. Um, I do have a few days off and a few days, uh, no, I have a week off in October and a week off in um, August. Um, so I'll be focusing on the podcast and stuff then. I am going to York in August though, the last, uh, the weekend. But also don't forget that my um, first new book um, is out for pre-order. Don't forget about that. That's for £15, including postage. So if you're interested in that, you can contact me on social. But don't forget to check out uh, Daniel Valiant on Facebook, White Gardenia, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, please check him out. He's an awesome guy. Like, give him all the love. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, this interview, and I'll see you next time. Bye.